Well, good stuff. I'm, I'm excited to lean in today. Um, it's already been a, a powerful service, but I'm excited now to turn our attention to the Word of God as we continue in our sermon series that's titled, come on, say it with me, Momentum. 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 We're talking about momentum. We're going to talk about it until you get so, so consumed with it that you're like, you know what? I got momentum now. I'm moving forward. I got forward motion on my life. At, at our seven-year birthday, I really felt this word on my heart to give to our church that we together as a family of faith would grow in the context of momentum. The word momentum by definition is forward motion. That's what it means. If you look at Oxford or Webster's or vocabulary.com, it's this idea of a body or a person or a train or a baseball moving with a force. And I believe that the church of Jesus Christ filled with his spirit on mission for his glory has momentum. At least I believe that about this church. And I'm, I'm excited to, to lean into all of it and to grow deeper with our church family in, in the context of momentum. I felt like there was three words that I wanted us to grow in momentum throughout this year. The first one was family momentum. Family momentum. We're growing deeper in the context of family. We're learning about what does it mean to be family. Not just to be like family, but to be family and I gave this reality statement. I want to put it up on the screen because I think it's important for us to just have the same idea when we talk about church. Um, I want you to read it with me if you, if you agree with it. Ready, set, go. Church is not an event you go to. Church is not a building you walk into. Church is a family you belong to. That's, uh, someone, someone felt led to clap for that. And I believe that that's true. You know, um, somebody recently... Even this past week, hey, um, when are you going to church? And I heard that, and I thought, you know what, the intention is right, and I get what they mean, and they mean uh, that when you go to this specific environment, you get around people that are brothers and sisters, called out family members, part of his body, his bride, his family, and you experience church, but church is not something you go to. Uh, somebody actually told me, asked me this, I, I, they recognized me at a restaurant I was at just a couple of days ago, and they said, yo, when are you guys going to build the church? And I realized their intention was good. I knew what they meant. But church is not a building you walk into. If that's the case, what are we doing right now? We're not, we're not working to one day get to church. Friend, we are the church. The, the church... Biblically, not culturally, biblically, church is the Greek word ecclesia. It's it by definition means called out individuals gathered together on mission for a specific purpose. In, in Jesus, he takes the word ecclesia to a new level by making it family, where he starts to use brother and sister language, son and daughter language. And he says, we're called out sons and daughters joined into a local family with a very real mission, with a very real commander named King Jesus, who we follow and give our allegiance to, who leads us and leads us well. Church is a family that you belong to. And we're growing deeper in the context of family. Last week, we finished our first Join the Family membership pathway. And some of you completed that, praise the Lord. And we're just gonna run it back. And uh, yeah, amen. If one person claps, we all clap. Come on. Uh, we believe it. Um, and some, some finished that. And if you are interested in joining the church family, um, every month we have our sessions rolling. First Sunday is session one, second, two, 
session three, third Sunday of the month. And we're doing our lead class here today, as Pastor Wes uh, mentioned. So we're talking about growing in the context of family momentum, but then I wanted to go another layer from there and talked about leadership momentum. And that's where we've been the past couple of weeks. We're talking about leadership momentum. Here's a reality statement that I want you to catch. You're going to hear us say this a lot. It's something that I really felt impressed in my spirit. Everyone has leadership potential on their life. I want you to say it with me. Come on. I want you to believe it. I want you to say it with me. Everyone has leadership potential on their life. In fact, in a very awkward way, tell the person on your left, that means you. And now hit the person on the other side. Maybe you didn't know direction, but the other side just like, that means you too. Because sometimes I think you hear me say something like that and you go, no, 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 I believe that's true for the pastors. I believe that. Or I believe that's true for the ministry directors. Or I believe that's true for the people who have leadership capacity. Or I believe that's true for the person who's in politics. Or I, I believe that's true for the person who has a reality TV show. Can I just tell you, that's true for every single individual in this room. And here's why. Amen? Here's why. Because Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 declare that in the beginning of all creation, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit had a master plan. It included you in it. And he said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Oh, come on. We got to, we, come on. Just go for it. All right. We're we, we going to figure it out. That God has created you in his image. He's created you in his likeness. What does that mean? You got leadership potential. What I believe is if you're created in the image and likeness of God, you have creativity potential. You have leadership potential. You have ideas, you have vision, you have dreams, you have potential to be somebody that you're not even today, that you, you still have more to go. And praise God, you might not be the person you were, but God has some, somewhere further to take you. Don't jump in the lazy river now. You got leadership potential on your life. Now, let me keep on going, okay? When we bring this at home here at Walk Church, here's what I also believe. I believe every family member Every person who calls this church home, I just want to give you this, it's a spoiler alert. Every family member here at Walk Church, we're going to encourage to become a leader. Yeah. Let me put that up on the, on the screen here. If you join our church family, if you say, I'm taking the three-week challenge, or I'm going to go to uh, leadership, or I'm going to go to join the family class, and I'm going to really say, this is my house, this is my home church. And just know, if you say, hey, Hyden, I really love your church, I might correct you and say, this is our church. Amen. I'm glad to be a part of your church. This is our, it's his church. Amen. Right. Upon joining this church family, we're going to encourage every family member to become a leader. John Maxwell says leadership is influence. We believe you have influence. We want you to use the influence that God has given you for his glory, your joy, and the good of the people around you. Your leadership goes beyond you. Everybody wins when the leader gets better. I've seen husbands say, you know what, I'm going to start being the leader, and their family changes. I've seen wives say, you know what, I'm going to start, I'm going to start being a leader. I'm going to start uh, uh, going with what the Bible tells me to go with. I'm going to start trusting him, and families change. I've seen, I've seen people in their work environment say, you know what, I'm going to stop being passive. I'm going to start being a leader. It changes the game. Your influence goes beyond you. It's got legs to it. So we're talking about leadership momentum, all right? Now, I'm going to put an acronym up on the screen because we wanted to have the same definition for what we mean at Walk Church when we say leader, 
What does that mean? I, I, I think if you ask 10 different people, you get 10 different answers. But I want us all to have the same answer here at WALK. When we say leadership, we have an acronym for the word. It's L-E-A-D. Now, if you were with us a couple weeks ago, you're going to know this answer. It's a quick pop quiz, all right? Come on, does anybody remember what the L stands for? Learners. Leaders are learners. Leaders are learners. Oh, let me hit this side real quick. Leaders are learners. I'm going to keep saying it until we fully grasp it. Here's what we believe. Leaders are not know-it-alls. Leaders are learn-it-alls. Leaders don't step in the room and say, I got all the answers. That's a fake leader. You can, that person steps in, you go, okay, that's not the leader. <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't her, that ain't him. Um, but leaders are the best note takers. Leaders are the best question askers. Leaders are the ones that lean in and say, ooh, I'm ferociously hungry to get better. I do, I don't, I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm on my way, and I'm getting better. If you study leaders, I, I, I like to study leadership and, and people who have led throughout history, biblically. Here's what you'll find. The top leaders have one thing in common. They're always learning. They're lifelong learners. And I want to encourage you. That's the first step. Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback Church says, the minute you stop learning is the minute you stop leading. And so, hey, praise God we're in a room full of learners today. Amen? Right? We're committed to that. We're saying, hey, we're going to get better today. We're not going to be puffed up. We're not going to be looking to be critical. We're not going to be looking to, to I'm going to catch you type of, I, honestly, I, I had to uh, correct somebody before they say, I think, I think I caught my calling. It's to correct people. I'm like, where? Where did you catch that? Now I got to correct you. No, you're, leaders are learners. Before you correct, how about you connect? Okay, here we go. Oh my. Leaders are learners. Let me give you the E. The E is excellent. Leaders are excellent. If you want to know more about the word excellent, uh, look at the book of Daniel. I love this book. There's so much wisdom that you can learn from Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and the different leaders who got exiled into a different foreign land, were given a different name, put in a different culture, and yet they still were able to lead. The thing that blows my mind about Daniel, in Daniel chapter 6, it says that there was 120 satraps, which were individuals who were placed as governors over specific provinces in the land. So King Darius appointed 120 officials to lead over the various cities within the empire. And then he said, I want three officials to lead the 120 governors. He picked Daniel to lead the 120 officials. But then it says Daniel so distinguished himself that he even set himself apart that he became a leader of the leaders of the leaders. And it says, why did he set himself apart? This is interesting. It says, because he had an excellent spirit, which literally means he had an excellent attitude. He changed the culture. He changed the workplace. He changed the dynamic because the spirit he had was excellent, and I want to encourage you today, you can have a Daniel spirit. In fact, you can have even better than a Daniel spirit. You can have the Holy Spirit. What does the word holy mean? Set apart, distinguished, different, excellent. 
There's nobody more excellent than the Holy Spirit himself. In fact, what is conviction? Conviction is when the Holy Spirit says, that wasn't excellent. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit goes, that's not an excellent choice. You can make a better choice. That, that really wasn't the most excellent move. It's not condemning. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is something that's handled between you and God through Jesus' death and resurrection. Praise the Lord. He's paid for our condemnation by being condemned for us. That's the gospel. And Jesus died on the tree and then he rose again, leaving condemnation in the grave. But then he sends us his Holy Spirit to make us better, to walk with us, to comfort us, to lead us, to help us grow in excellence in our Christian character and our Christian leadership. Friend, I want to encourage you to be excellent. And that might mean you need to start brushing your teeth. Just saying. Julio had to clap for that one. (laughs) Amen. That might mean you need to start doing your laundry. Come on. That might mean you need to start walking excellent, believing, praying excellent. Maybe you would say, you know what? My Bible reading is not quite excellent. It's pretty average. Well, you got something to grow in. Praise God. When you have an excellent standard, you 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 have an excellent motivation. Your motivation changes. It moves away from, I'm just going to do just enough today. It's going to do just enough to get by when you have, I'm going to be excellent today. And that's how you distinguish yourself. Leaders are different because they prioritize excellence. We're living in a day and culture, a day and age where excellence is rare, but you can feel it when you're around it. You can sense it when you're around it. You can smell it when you're around it. You're like, ooh, this just feels like excellence. You know what? When when you're around excellence, you know what you want to do? You want to go back. You say, you know what, I'd like to go back uh, because the culture was very learnable and it felt like it was just excellent. So I want to encourage you to lay those two over your life and say, as I grow in my leadership, we're not asking anybody to arrive. In fact, the only way you arrive at excellence completely is when you get to heaven. But in the meantime, we're being conformed into the image of Christ and who's more excellent than him? So he's conforming us, he's shaping us, he's growing us, he's changing us. Along the journey, we're we're becoming learners, we're becoming excellent. Today, we're going to move into the A. Are you ready for the A? Come on, are you ready for the A? Online, if if you're ready for the A, type ready. Um, Go ahead and let me get a little drum roll. Give me me, me a little, little drum roll. Leaders are learners, leaders are excellent, and leaders are aware. Aware. Somebody thought, somebody had that. I saw some connections, like, got it. And there was a whole lot of A words that were so close to jumping right in there. Um, There's so many that can fit. In fact, this list um, has so much friends that go with learners and excellent and aware. Um, But I really believe that leaders are aware. Great leaders have great awareness. Poor leaders have poor awareness. One of the reasons why we selected this word for the A when we talk about leadership is because I've had a lot of different situations over the past couple of years, but really even this past year in 2022 alone, um, whenever I'm around somebody who I just feel like lacks leadership, I tend to follow that with this statement. It's because they lack awareness. And I don't want to be somebody who lacks awareness. And I don't want our church to be a church that lacks awareness. 
Because we want to encourage everybody that's a part of this family to be leaders. Well, what are leaders? Leaders are learners. We're hungry to learn. Leaders are excellent. We're putting our best foot forward. What is excellence? Excellence is doing the best you have with what you have. And we're growing in the content of awareness. If you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Let's eat. Uh, Lord, as we get ready to eat from your word now, God, grow us in our awareness. Help us to be aware of you. Lord, speak to us here today. Let this be a moment that changes our lives. We don't want to play church. God, we're here to grow. Oh, Lord, speak to us now. Holy Spirit, lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's a reality statement I want to put up on the screen. Here it is. Because Jesus had great awareness, we should too. You've heard me mention that on all of our other points up to this point. Our model, our standard is him. Because, right, we don't walk in ourselves, we walk in him. I believe the definition of the Christian life to today is not us working hard for God. It's Jesus working and living his life through us. So the more that we can get out of the way, we can live out Galatians 2.20, which says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You're called to be walking in Jesus. And can I just tell you, Jesus was very aware. Jesus was aware of the time. Jesus was aware of the people that he ministered to. Jesus was aware of the place. Have you ever seen these moments where people try to rush Jesus and Jesus goes, not my time? What are you doing? In fact, one time he looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Peter, you're clearly not aware. And Jesus is not rushed. He's, he's never running. He's very aware. Sometimes he says, we're going to go this way. And the people go, why are we going to go this way? And Jesus goes, I got an awareness that you don't have. Jesus goes into Samaria and he has a drink of the Samaritan water. And he goes, I'm aware. I know what's going on here. Catch up to me. Jesus modeled incredible awareness. And the more you pursue an intimate, close, abiding relationship with him, you'll become more aware. Now, when I talk about awareness, I know that this topic has the potential to be a little uncomfortable. But can we all just agree for the next several minutes to just be okay with the uncomfortability? Yes. I love this side right here. Let me try over here. Y'all were a little hesitant, all right? Can we agree for the next several minutes to be okay with the uncomfortability? I love it. Okay, I like it. I like it. I like it. We're on the same page. I love this quote from John Maxwell, talking about uncomfortability. Maxwell says it like this. As a leader... The first person I need to lead is me. The first person that I should try to change is me. Awareness. Today I want you to grab a metaphorical mirror and look at yourself deeply. And take time to focus in on yourself because that's how you gain awareness. And not just focus in on yourself to see how beautiful and awesome and cool you are but to be honestly aware. In fact, there's other people that might be more aware of you than you are of yourself. As a leader, the first person you need to lead is yourself. Today, you might say, I don't need to lead myself. I'm all good. You're unaware. 
The first person that I should try to change is me. So here's the first point of awareness. Leaders are aware. What kind of aware? First point, leaders are self-aware. Leaders are self-aware. I want to encourage you today to become great in your self-awareness. This is something that I'm working on. This is something I think you can work on. I think all of us, if we're all working on our self-awareness, we're all going to be learners. We're going to strive toward excellence, and we're going to influence the culture. The culture is not going to influence us. We're going to be the trendsetters. We're going to be the ones who bring a spirit of excellence into everything. Christianity will be less known for being B-grade and copycats and more for being trendsetters and doing things with excellence. Self-aware. Let me give you a definition for the phrase self-aware. Self-aware means to know and understand yourself very well. Again, I, I, I want to put this out there so that it makes sense. I want, to, I want it to become clear for you. I want you to know yourself better. I want you to try to understand yourself better. Don't just assume. Think deeply about yourself. Why do I respond the way I respond? Why do I say the things I say? Why do I get so defensive? Oh, I'm defensive? <laughs> Maybe you're trying to catch some awareness. Conscious of one's own feelings, character, etc. Are you conscious of your character? Or are you just kind of floating through life unaware? <laughs> Leaders are aware. Leaders hold that A. And it's a big deal. Leaders have great self-awareness. And I think it's so important, if I can just be really transparent, I think it's so important for Christians to have great self-awareness. Why? Because, man, I've seen some, some really, I would imagine, awesome theological heads with low awareness. For example, you... You need to be self-aware in how to minister to somebody. Like some people are always at level 10 in their evangelism. Repent! You need to believe! I remember somebody hit me with that when I was going to a Final Four basketball game in Atlanta. I was there. I got invited. I was all excited. That was a rhyme. I was walking with with a, a few of my former teammates, and there was this dude out there, and he had the blowhorn and all that, and I'm not here to shade evangelistic methods. I just think there there may be some awareness here. He looked at me, you, me, you need to repent. I was like, for what? (laughs) And he was like, hmm. I was like, you're really unaware. In fact, what if you took this time and you just decided to take the time you're out here with your blowhorn and you effectively tried to connect with somebody for the purpose of relating to somebody, for the purpose of one day maybe being able to share the good news. That's not bad news. It's good news that you might know somebody's name before you know their sin. And I just said, man, we as Christians got to be better aware. Some people need, need you to come in at a level three, not at a level 10. Right? There's value in saying, you know what, I want to I I be self-aware, right? You ever had somebody who had a big old log in their eye, but they were experts on the plank in your eye? Oh, maybe, maybe you haven't had that before. Okay. And Jesus knows this. He goes, man, some of y'all are experts 
And you got the big log in your eye. You need to be more self-aware. How about you help yourself before you help somebody else? Oh, man. I'm spi- this is a family conversation, all right? This is your first time here. Uh, I'm sorry I'm not sorry. You, you stepped in. We're going deep today into self-awareness. I want, I want us to be greatly self-aware. One of, the, one of the best leaders in the Bible, and notice I didn't just say characters in the Bible or people in the Bible. The Bible's filled with leaders. Great leadership examples are all throughout this book. One of the best ones that I know of is a guy named John the Baptist. I don't know if you ever spent much time with John the Baptist, but if you open up to the early parts of the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John is not John the Baptist. That's the Apostle John. But the Apostle John records content about the man, John the Baptist. Look at John chapter 1 with me. And I want us to learn a little bit about self-awareness. John chapter 1. Let's start in verse 19. If you're ready, say ready. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? You know what that is? That's an awareness question, right? It's a fair question. Hey, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, come on, say it with me. I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he said, no. Let me give you the first way to be really self-aware. I'll put it up here on the screen. The first way to be really self-aware is to know who you're not. Amen? I want to encourage you to be really aware of who you aren't. And can I tell you today, John the Baptist, he had every opportunity to be like, you know, I am Elijah. I am the one who uh, went up to heaven in the chariot of fire, and now I'm back, and I'm going to be signing autographs at the Jordan River and put me on the news station. I'm Elijah. They said, no, no, are you the Messiah, John? And he goes, I'm not. They go, are you the prophet? And he goes, I'm not. Look, I'll just highlight these, these phrases. I just want you to see John the Baptist is not impressed by people. He's not trying to be somebody He's not. He's not trying to fake it till he makes it. He's not necessarily working hard to be an influencer. He's like, no, I'm not Elijah. Oh, so you must be the prophet. No. (laughs) No commentary, just no. I know who I am. I know who I'm not. And today, I just want to encourage you, if you want to really grow in your awareness, stop trying to be somebody you're not. We agreed to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You don't have to be Elijah. You don't have to be the prophet. You know who you have to be? You have to be John. This for him. He's like, I got to be me. And, and I really believe that every person in the room is a one of one. Maybe you've heard this phrase before, but everybody else is already taken. You might as well be yourself. So feel free. Feel, feel free to look in the mirror today and say, all right, this is what I'm working with. I'm going to be really self-aware because I don't need to be somebody I'm not. I need to be who God's created me and called me to be. And when I'm doing that, I'm at my best. And God takes care of the rest. I want to encourage you with that. Get get really self-aware. Let's keep on reading. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. 
what do you say about yourself? He said, verse 23, he said, I'm the voice. I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. In fact, John says, if you want to find me, you'll find me in the wilderness. I'm making it known. I'm making straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. He prophesied about there was this one who was coming, who was going to make way for the Lord, and that's who I am. I don't need to be the Lord. I need to make way for the Lord. I need to introduce you to the Lord. Isn't that what John the Baptist does? I mean, at the beginning of the gospel of John, and as you look at the different gospels, John is making disciples. I would say the reason why he's known as John the Baptist, that brother had a high baptism rate. (laughs) Brother was going in, baptizing, calling people, walking with people, ministering to people, calling people to repentance. He was doing his ministry. But he had great awareness. You know why? The minute he saw Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he said, I want all my disciples to now follow him. Why is that important? Because it takes humility to be self-aware. It takes a humbling of self. It takes a deep-seated humility to be able to say, Hayden, you're not 6'7". So be you. Be self-aware to make the best decisions with the gift set that God has given you. And to work your gift and to be greatly self-aware in what God has called you to do. John the Baptist says, I know who I'm not and I know who I am. I'm just a voice, but I'm going to be a great voice. I'm going to be an excellent voice. I'm going to be crying out in the wilderness, make straight the path. And one day I'm going to take all of my disciples and I'm going to send them to follow Jesus. And I'm going to float off into obscurity. And they're still going to be talking about me 2,000 years later at Walk Church. John the Baptist was an excellent leader. And it cost him. It cost him his life, in fact. He stuck up for things he valued. And it it cost him his head. But Jesus said, he's great in the kingdom. He knew who he was. He knew who he wasn't. He didn't sell out. He didn't shipwreck his faith to try to do something. He's not. He said, I'm going to be me. And I'm going to point people to Jesus. I love this quote from a pastor in California um, of Mosaic Church. His name's Erwin McManus. And Erwin says it like this. Humility is not about having a low self-image or poor self-esteem. Humility is about self-awareness. Amen. Humility is not walking around, yeah, you know, life just sucks. I'm a Christian. You know, I'm a believer in the Lord and that's why I'm so boring. That, that is not the Christian life. That's actually pridefulness. Humility is not about having a low self-image or poor self-esteem. It's about saying, I'm self-aware. And I've embraced who God's called me to be, and I'm growing in self-awareness. I know who I am, and I know who I'm not. Let me ask you this, and sometimes I'll do this. Can I give you a scary challenge? Yes. Okay, I I like some... Hey, come on, it's like Halloween season. Can I give you a scary challenge? Can I give you a a spooky challenge? Um, Don't get weird about the Halloween stuff, please. Be self-aware. All right, here we go. I want to give you a scary challenge. If you're ready, say ready. Ready. I don't know if I should do it or not. Okay, I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to do it. I feel, I, 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 feel, I, feel the, I feel the openness. Okay, here's the scary challenge. The scary challenge is for you this week to find somebody you're close to that knows you and that loves you and to ask them this question. Hey, is there anything in my life that I'm not self-aware in? Is there anything you see in me that I'm not aware of? That is scary. But, but, but can I tell you something? The thing that I think is more scary than that is going through life unaware. The thing that I'm more scared of is going through life unaware and everybody else knows it but me. And I think you can even take that scary challenge and invite somebody who loves you and is close to you to give you a self-awareness word. Why? So you can be excellent. So you can grow in awareness so that you can get better. You know, I was listening to a, a podcast from John Maxwell. We've been talking about this, this leadership guru, right? He's alive today. He's, he's actually a pastor, but he's more in the business space talking about his values. He's written over 100 leadership books. And he talked about a moment where he asked his personal ministry assistant. He said, I'm talking about self-awareness. And he called his ministry assistant and he said, hey, can you help me with something? Next week, can you just send me a list of a few items that maybe I'm unaware of? And his ministry assistant said, you know, I love to do that, but I don't need a week. I can shoot those over to you right now. And, you know, it's so interesting because Maxwell was even saying how that can actually be painful in the moment. But it's only going to help you get better. It's only going to help you be more self-aware. What if somebody, what if somebody says, you sure? Well, you're a manipulator. What if somebody says, you asked me, so I'm going to do it. You're a gossiper. What if somebody says, you know, you tend to turn every conversation about you. You start off listening and then you, somehow you make it more about you. And you're unaware of that. Maybe what if somebody says, you say like way too much. <laughs> but you don't know it. Or what if somebody says, okay, you say um way too much. And then you go, um, <laughs> what? Um, and now you're aware. The light bulb went out. Off. A, a blind spot was identified, and you know what you're doing? You're just getting better in your leadership. What if somebody says, I, I don't want to offend you, but I want to give you a breath mint? <laughs> just putting it out there. We're growing, amen? Can I tell you something? All right. Can I tell on myself? Y'all were, Jab, you were too quick with that, yeah. You were too quick. Transparency. So I did this. I approached my wife, Nina, shout, shout out to Nina, um, and I said, okay, I'm going to do something that's scary. Is there, an, is there an area or S areas in my life that I'm unaware of? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, what, uh, what is it, right? We get defensive so quick. We're already, do, we're already automatically defensive. Oh, yeah, like what? And she goes, you know, you tend to 
bring things out or open things up, but you really struggle with putting them back. And I was like, for real? Give me an example, right? We got to justify. <laughs> she even hit me with a few examples. And I was like, dang, that's pretty accurate. And I wasn't even aware. And so last night, last night, I decided to make a smoothie. And I was at my house and we got this like Nutribullet thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I got all the different fruit and ingredients out. And I'm, I made this incredible smoothie and I poured it into this cup and I grabbed the cup and I walked away. <laughs> and then right about here, I was like, Arr! and there goes all the stuff waving at me. And suddenly I was aware and I went back and I put everything back and I really believe I got better, church. I'm celebrating a victory. I was thinking about that. And, and here's what Nina said. She goes, it's not that you don't put the stuff back. It's just you take too long to put stuff back. You like leave it and you like come back an hour later. Like just do it right now. And I said, you know what? That was uncomfortably helpful. I'm growing in my self-awareness. I want to encourage you to grow in your self-awareness and to not be prideful because humility looks like great self-awareness. The self-aware leader can get into a lot of rooms. In fact, the self-aware leader can actually hold a lot of friends. The self-aware leader can get invited because they're self-aware. They're not going to say something that may hinder the meeting. The self-aware leader is attractional, is a people magnet. I want to encourage you to, to say, you know what? I'm ready to start growing in my self-awareness. If you got all that, say, I got it. <laughs> know who you are, know who you're not. That's self-awareness, studying yourself. Okay, let me give you point number two. Point number two is spirit aware. I want to encourage you to grow in awareness. Leaders are aware. Leaders are self-aware. Leaders are spirit aware. What do I mean by that? You're aware of what the spirit is doing. You have an awareness, a keenness to the Holy Spirit's leadership. The Holy Spirit says jump. You say, how high? Yeah. The Holy Spirit says go left. You go, all right, let's, we're going left. Right. The Holy Spirit says go right. We're going right. If the Holy Spirit says something, you are being led by his leadership. Why? Because you're aware of the Spirit's voice. In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul, he talks about spirit leadership. He says, you're at war in, in, internally. There's the, the flesh that's at war with the spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Here's what the verse says. It says, but I say, right, because the flesh will have one statement. Paul says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How do you win the battle against the flesh? You got to be spirit aware. How do you start winning against temptation and winning against sinful patterns? Here's how. I'm going to give you the how. you got to be spirit aware. The Holy Spirit is trying to lead you, but maybe you're not able to hear his voice. you got too much worldly earwax in. Might need to take those headphones off for a second so you can hear a word. I mean, no shade to anybody who's in here that may be here right now, but I've had to tell people, hey, yo. Take your headphones off. You're here to listen, right? We're here to get better? Were you here chilling? Or are you going to be a leader? Don't miss it. Let's, let, let's lean in. 
Walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Spirit awareness looks like this word. It's a big word. It's this word discernment. Come on, everybody say discernment. discernment. Here's how you grow in your spirit awareness. You've got to grow in your discernment. The word discernment by definition means to judge something rightly. To be guided in a specific way that it helps you make the right decision. That's when the Spirit of God gives you discernment. You're able to discern the situation. And leaders find themselves in situations where they just have to use discernment. If you don't have the Spirit of God helping you, you might make the wrong decision. Spirit aware looks like spiritual discernment. Walk by the Spirit. Talk by the Spirit. Let me say this. In my years of walking with the Lord, it's almost been 15 years now. Amen. I'll, t- I'll take the shout. Um, a- along this journey, praise God, the Lord has kept me and been close to me. And there's been times throughout my years where I've walked past the check of the Spirit. You know, you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Where the Holy Spirit will give you a check. The Holy Spirit will give you a prompting, a nudge, like, hey, you should probably turn around. Or, hey, you probably shouldn't go there. Or, hey, you probably should stop watching this. Or, hey, you should probably stop listening to this. Or, hey, you should probably not smoke that. Or, hey, you should probably not drink that. Or, hey, you should probably not go into the room and shut the door with her or him. Maybe you've had situations like that. Can I just tell you, whenever I've walked past a check of the Spirit, I've always lived to regret it. I've never walked past the check of the Holy Spirit and thought, I'm glad I did that. Never. I found that he's always been right. And he's always been for my good. In fact, the Holy Spirit's already on the other side of the situation. You should trust him. That's discernment. Today, you might sense the Spirit nudging you in a specific direction. I would say follow him. You might know that the Holy Spirit's calling you to do something that is uncomfortable. Do it. Trust him. If, you, if you're not quite sure, get some wise counsel to help you hear clearly. That's discernment. The Apostle Paul lived this way. He's another great leader in the Bible. Paul the Apostle was on mission in the book of Acts. And his sole purpose was to make disciples as given to him in Matthew 28. Paul the Apostle said, you know what? I've been radically saved and transformed. I'm going to give my life, my gifts, my energy, my time, talent, treasures to the Lord Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 16 with me. It's a a profound verse. It says, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. This is where we get the letter to the Galatians. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. I highlighted that because if you read the book of Acts, you know that Paul's desire was to go to Asia so bad. He really wanted to bring the gospel to the Asian continent. He really wanted to get into places that were untapped and unreached for the faith. And Paul gets a team together. He recruits people. They are on the move. They go through Phrygia. They go through Galatia. And suddenly the Holy Spirit says, we're not going in. Can you imagine that huddle? Paul's like, hey, everybody, come on in. So the Holy Spirit said no. Why? I don't know. But we're not walking by the flesh. We're walking by the Spirit. <laughs> He's our compass. He's our map. The Holy Spirit uh, forbid them to speak the word in Asia. I think you should ask the Holy Spirit, is this a moment to speak the word or is this a moment to just listen? Is this a moment to interject or is this a moment to just fall back? You don't have to be the loudest voice in every room. You don't have to dominate every conversation. Let the Spirit guide you. Because the Spirit will sometimes say, this is a moment to speak up. 
Or the Spirit will sometimes say, this is a moment to just listen. But if you're not spirit aware, you won't know what to do. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, when Paul had seen the vision, immediately, I love how Paul doesn't wait. Paul's like, oh, we'll try to make it to Macedonia in November. No, Paul said, hey, we got a word. Guys, we got a word. We're on our way to Macedonia. Where's that? Let's figure it out. Immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. What I love about Paul and the disciples in the book of Acts, they were very spirit aware. And today, I want to encourage you because over the years, I've, I've counseled a lot of people, Nina and I have together. Sometimes somebody will say, man, I really sense the Holy Spirit prompting me to get out of this job. It's, it's hindering my walk with Jesus. You know what? They're not long conversations for me. I say, follow the Spirit's leading. <laughs> but, but, this is called faith. I really sense the Spirit is calling me to be more generous. I think you should follow the Spirit. I really feel like the Spirit is calling me to move out. I really think you should follow the Spirit. I really think the Spirit is calling me to start being honest, not dishonest. Man, I think the Spirit knows what's best for you. And come on, is he not going to take care of you? Is he not Jaira? We got to get more Spirit aware. Holy Spirit aware. It's going to change your life. It's going to give you the discernment. You're going to be able to lean on the Holy Spirit. I had this happen to me last night. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Uh, Nina and I were on a date. And I met a friend who I used to play ball with, and we, were, we just chopped it up. We had a cool connection at the table, and it was dope, cool. All right, we're going to head to our table, boom, boom, boom. And the Holy Spirit said, you know you got a trunk or treat card on you. And I said, so? <laughs> Talk back to the Holy Spirit. Yeah? Go on back there and invite him. He had two, his two kids with him, so I, let's do this, Lord. Hey, bro. You know, it's like always uncomfortable. But little kids lit up. Whoa. He gave the card to them. It was a God moment. And I just want to encourage you today. Be open. Be open to the, to the Spirit's leadership, guidance. If you got all that, say, I got it. I like it. Let me give you the third and final point, and then we'll get, get ready to wrap up. Uh, third and final point uh, is sin aware. Challenging. Sometimes we just jump into the challenge zone here at Walk. It's, it's a challenge with a lot of love and grace wrapped around it. Um, sin aware. We want our leaders to be self-aware, spirit aware, and sin aware. Why do I say that? In the book of Genesis, it says sin is crouching at your door, just waiting to pounce on you. Not only are we dealing with sin, but we're dealing with the flesh, our unsanctified bodies that are at war with the spirit, and then you got the sinful nature and the sinful culture. And sin, by definition, is missing the mark that God established, which is always for our good. And today, too many people are getting picked off because they're just not aware. Brother, sister, you got to be aware of sin. Don't, don't play with sin. Don't, don't dabble with sin. It'll bite you. And then you'll be wondering, how did I even end up in this place? 
Listen to me, high school students. Don't, don't dabble with sin thinking that it's cute. It'll, it'll change your life. You'll be 28 thinking, oh, in high school. Make some decisions now. Get aware. Be, be aware now. That's leadership. I love this verse here in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at, the, look at the words Peter uses. He says, be sober-minded. Ain't no, no, no amens. All right, here we go. <laughs> Come on. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why does the Bible encourage us to be sober-minded? Because if you're drunk, it's hard to be watchful. I mean, we, we're going to keep it plain here. If you're intoxicated, your mind is all over the place. You're not able to watch and be alert and be aware like you would have been if you were sober-minded. And that's not just alcohol. You could be putting toxicity into your mind. You could have a stressed-out mind. You could be distracted by many things, and you're not able to be watchful. Here's why you need to be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Now, he's not the lion. He's like a lion. He's a faker. But he's going to try to deceive you. Seeking someone to, de- to de- devour. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word devour, I don't like that word. Right. Say these two words with me. Come on, louder. Resist. Resist him. Firm in your faith. This is leadership. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are, are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. There's no like special temptations here in the room. Everybody's walking through stuff. Everybody is tempted in in some ways. Even Jesus was tempted, but he was without sin. So he can relate to us in our sin. He can relate, I'm sorry, let let me rephrase that. He can relate to us in our temptation, but he can also empower us to defeat sin because he defeated sin. So he can relate and say, man, I know the temptation's tough. If Hebrews chapter four, but I want to also give you the power, the Holy Spirit power to defeat sin. John Owen, the great uh, British theologian, once said it like this. Write this down. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Don't dabble with it. Just say, you know what? This year, the rest of 2022, lock and load, aim, fire at all types of sin in your life, not other people's lives. Be very self-aware. We didn't get to the other aware. We're still in the self, amen? Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Look at Colossians chapter three. And worship team, help me close this message. We're, we're gonna roll out. Um, read this with me, ready, set, go. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. I get caught up sometimes because I love every word. Figure out what's earthly in you, self-aware test. Ask that person, is there anything earthly in me? Because I want to get the earthly stuff out. In fact, he says, put that stuff to death. That's strong language, amen? We got to be growing. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Now look at what heads the list, sexual immorality. Sexual immorality, the Greek phrase for this is porneia. It's where we get the English word pornography. And underneath the word porneia is every type of sexual sin that's outside of the covenant of marriage, which consists of one man and one woman for one life together. That is the definition of what God defines as sexual, se- sexual orientation in a way that is glorifying to him. Anything else is sin. So put sexual immorality away. But if you were to say, hey, well, what about this? That's probably in the impurity section. 
Or what if you're like, well, what about this? That's passion. It can also translate to the word lust or evil desire or covetousness, which is, you know what? I really want that person's st- shoes, style. I want, that. I want their house. I want their stuff. That's idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. There's only a few verses that I'm aware of in the New Testament that speak directly to the wrath of God. Be killing sin, sin's gonna try to kill you. And you have an adversary, the devil, who would love to accuse you. Rebuke him. Strong in your faith. And be aware, amen? Amen. As we close, I wanna close with a prayer. And I wanna give you this prayer, all right? I want, I, want, I want you to take this prayer. I'm going to put it up here on the screen. I want you to pray these points. Every day you can start your day by praying these points. Let me read them. In fact, let's read them together. They're prayers. Number one, Lord, please help me today to be self-aware. Number two, Lord, please help me today to be spirit aware. Number three, please, Lord, please help me today to be sin aware. And then be open to the Lord's leadership. Amen. Amen. Can I tell you he's for your good? Can I tell you he's for your good? For your good. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, today, uh, I know you stepped on my toes. I'm sure you stepped on somebody else's too, but you did it with grace. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Death has been defeated. King Jesus is alive. And and Jesus, I know you want to live in and through us. So Lord, I pray for anybody in the room today that needs greater self-awareness. That's all of us. God, grow us in our self-awareness. Help us to be aware of ourselves. Help us to give grace to ourselves. And help us to get better today. Give us grace as we even ask people closest to us to help us with our self-awareness. Give us honesty encourage to get better. Number two, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be spirit aware. Wake us up to your voice. God, if we've been quenching your spirit, Lord, I pray we would turn the volume back up. Lord, today, if we've been, uh, if we've been grieving your spirit, we're sorry. We want to make it right. Spirit, lead us. Take us deeper to where our trust is without borders. Lead us, Jesus. Number three, Lord, make us sin aware. In fact, if you're here right now and you're living in sin, it always overpromises, it always underdelivers. Go ahead and divorce your sin right now. Just tell your sin. You don't have to, you don't have to go up to somebody. Just in your heart, make a decision right now. I'm no longer gonna flirt with this sin. I'm gonna put it to death. I'm gonna give it away. I'm gonna give it to Jesus at the cross to which he died for it and rose from it. So today, if there's anybody here that needs to receive Christ, receive him. If that's you right now and you're like, I just need to receive Jesus, just put your hand in the air as a symbol of your response. See those who have their hand up. Praise God for people making their decision. And and know as you put your hand up, Jesus jumps into your life and he's with you, and he's for you, and he's not gonna leave you or forsake you. He loves you. 
Oh God, I pray you'd be with each individual. We right now say, Jesus, we repent of sin. We receive you as Savior. We confess we need you. We'll follow you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.